0: Welcome to the Delano Newsmakers podcast, bringing context to the stories that matter in Luxembourg.
1: I'm Jess Baldry, and today we look at the situation of displaced people who migrated to Luxembourg over the past decade and how they have settled into the country.
0: In the last 10 years, SC has been in contact with a lot of people that come to Luxembourg since they want to find a new life. Most of them come because they want to search a new job, but a lot of them come also because they are persecuted in their homeland. It's the case of the Syrian people. And since 10 years, we are are working nearby with them uh, because we have found on that community also a lot of engaged people, like, for instance, Riata, who is a well-known entrepreneur here in Luxembourg, He just opened the first virtual reality park in Luxembourg and it's a person with whom we have been in contact since 2011 and uh, it has been very useful to us to be in contact with him and other leaders of this community because in order to reach a community you have to reach to their leaders too.
1: That was Sergio Ferreira speaking on behalf of Luxembourg's Foreign Workers' Rights Association, ASTI, It's been just over a decade since the Arab Spring, a series of anti-government protests in the Middle East that led to the displacement of millions of people, thousands of which have come to Luxembourg to start a new life. Sergio, when Riyadh approached Asti in 2011 to say that there would be thousands more to come, how did NGOs like Asti respond, and how about the government? Mm.
0: In 2011, we were not yet confronted with the situation that we are now. That means the arrival of uh, more or less 15,000 people in the last 10 years who asked for asylum in Luxembourg. But we were already a country that had experienced uh, working with refugees and getting refugees here. We forget often that on the end of the 90s there was a war in Europe and uh, in the Balkans and uh, in Kosovo and in 1999 we had in one year almost uh, 3,100 asylum seekers in Luxembourg. In 2015, the year that we consider as the the peak extreme of the the crisis, we had in Luxembourg 2,500 asylum demands. That means that in the past we were already confronted with a situation that was even worse that we had in 2015. And I think we have learned with that experience because, for instance, to to quote uh, a simple example, in 2015, uh, 16, 17, until now, we don't have asylum seekers sleeping in campings, in tents. That was the case in 1999. So I think that ASTI and the government and other uh, um, actors learned from the experience that we had in the end of the 90s and we tried to put uh, all the instruments to build them in order to get these people to start a new life in Luxembourg. That's the main goal, I think, of the asylum politics and the migration politics in Luxembourg.
1: Now, the pandemic has slowed the number of people seeking international protection in Luxembourg over the past year. But as Foreign Affairs Minister John Asselborn recently said, the homes for displaced people are at 85% capacity. Can you tell us why is this the case?
0: It's a multi-factor problem. First of all, of course, is the housing problem that for everyone in Luxembourg, it's a, a challenge. And that, of course, for people who have uh, relatively low incomes because most of the asylum seekers that get the status unfortunately they won't work immediately. That means that they are on the Revis and someone who is on the Revis that wants to loan an apartment, it's simply impossible. No one loans uh, an apartment to someone who doesn't work in Luxembourg. So that's the first problem and why is it so? Because integration process of asylum seekers, it's not working at its best in Luxembourg. In our eyes, we are starting too late and we are not doing it in a targeted way, if you can say so. An asylum seeker that comes to Luxembourg is seen most of the time with a certain profile and we think that everybody is exactly the same thing. It's not the case. We have, to quote the example of Syrians, people we have been into university, where are engineers, who have already learned, for instance, English, and we have at the same hand people who are not even in contact or don't know the Latin alphabet, for instance. So if we have so different profiles, we have to adapt the integration process to that. And the first thing that we should do is to make a screening of the competences of the people that come to Luxembourg, an individual screening, perhaps with an individual interview to understand, To this person, it's perhaps better to put her directly on the Luxembourgish courses, for instance, or it's a person that can immediately work. We had cases of lawyers, for instance, that have already worked in the international community, and we have examples of two, three. I can recall uh, an Iraqi lawyer that could get a job immediately when he set a foot in Luxembourg. But since the law doesn't allow it, you have to be here at least six months in order to work but for that person there were six months that were completely loose and that's i think one of the the problems that we have integration process is starting too late and it's not targeted on the profile of the person that we have in front of us
1: so to clarify the integration process um an asylum seeker that does not happen until their asylum status is granted. Is that right? And how long would that take?
0: In the most of the cases, it it is like that. There is a mandatory Luxembourgish course that people have to do, I would say, after two months that they are here, but it's a Luxembourgish very basic language course. Afterwards, they have access to language courses, but once again, it's very basic. That means... It's not something that can allow you to uh, be confronted with the working situation in Luxembourg, with the working market. And that makes, of course, that it's very difficult to them to be ready when they get the status to start working and start being part of of this society. That happens because, first, we don't allow them to work uh, if they are still in the procedure. And because due to the pandemic also, uh, but not only, some programs that were presented by the government, they are still not happening. We have what we call the PIA for Parcours d'intégration accompagné in French. And there were foreseen three phases. Until now, we have just uh, known the phase one. And that is basic language courses. Of course, that has an impact And when people get the status, and that can last from six months, it's the minimum that we know, till three, four years. There are people who wait four years for an answer for their asylum demand. The law tells us that in the maximum, 21 months is the maximum that it should last. But the reality is another. And when people are, if you can say so, stocked, in structures in foyers where living conditions are not the best. It's correct, but it's very basic of course. Their motivation at certain moment is not there anymore. And since things are not happening as quickly as they want, frustration comes and of course problems come too. And it's very difficult to get these people that were not vulnerable before But they are now in a vulnerable situation. To get them to work, to to reactivate themselves, it's sometimes very difficult. But there are also good experiences and there are also projects that are made to fill the gaps that the state cannot fill for the moment.
1: If I understand correctly, ASTI's mission is to really empower these displaced people, whereas mm-hmm. you're saying the system disempowers them to a certain extent. So one example of, of where ASTI does this is the Connections Project, and that does a skills audit for displaced people. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about that, also what kinds of skills were coming through from the displaced people.
0: Mm-hmm. But ASTI uh, set up the, the, the Connections Project in 2016. We should say, too, over Grand Chasse Charlotte, put a budget on the table of 12 million euros for help the integration of refugees and one of that projects was connections and connections was as the name tells it try to really connect people one with each other asylum seekers with entrepreneurs with uh, young entrepreneurs with uh, 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 enterprises with uh, institutions with ngos and you, you use the, the, the right word to in order to empower them in the working mar- market. First of all, the screening was made on connections, that, mean, that means that uh, the, the person had an interview or with the interviewer, we could do the screening of their competence, language skills, but also uh, professional competences. perhaps to see if the diplomas uh, could be recognized. And from the moment the screening was made, we had an offer that was adapted to each one. We had, for instance, three different uh, workshops uh, about working market, uh, working laws, uh, about tips and tricks to to get uh, nearer for the working market. And then, at the end of this parcours, an internship was proposed uh, that uh, could not only show the person how do we work in Luxembourg, but the idea of the internship was also to show the other people that worked on that, uh, on that, uh, on that location that different people were coming to Luxembourg with different cultures, with different um, working methods perhaps. And the idea of the internship was to see what we could both win from this situation or not. I think the experience is very positive. We got to put a lot of people, if not working, at least nearer the working market. And we are very satisfied not only with the figures but also with the experience. And uh, it's something that we try to do always at Asti is to profit from the experience of a project and transpose it to the political level. And there, for instance, Adam has started to do some kind of workshops in the same direction and it was very, very important. And we are also satisfied because Connections won the Diversity Awards in 2018 and that's a sign of recognition too, I would say.
1: Now, we did talk about Riyadh, who's created his own business and was one of the first Syrians mm-hmm. that he spoke to. And so we could say his story is quite successful. I don't know if he would agree. So how rare is, is Riyad's case uh, compared to his peers? And what tend to be the common factors for, for having these sorts of positive stories of integration in Luxembourg?
0: Mm-hmm. I think Riyad is an example because of its way of working and its projection too. It's, it's someone that is visible on the media, is visible on, on, on his activities. Because Riyad doesn't only work for his uh, project, but it's a person with really a, 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 a multiplier uh, and someone who engages themselves for cultural events, for instance. So I think it's the visible face of the success stories. They are there with refugees, not only Syrians, but uh, on the last years, mostly of them. There are other ones who had created some other small business of catering, for instance, and. It's true that sometimes we have to have visible examples to signify the others that it is possible regardless of all the obstacles that are here. But it's also something that shows us that uh, there are still a lot of barriers for people who want to set themselves in Luxembourg and develop their project. I've talked about it. It was also almost impossible in Luxembourg for someone who has made this university in a third country. It's the main obstacle to to start with. Afterwards, of course, our language situation very diverse. To me, I think it's something that it's mostly positive and and something that makes us a richer country, cultural richer. But it's also a challenge for people who are not so keen with languages, for instance. And if you come from an Arabic country and you were never in contact with the Latin alphabet, it's even most complicated. There are a lot of, uh, of challenges, and um, the fact that we do not, in our eyes, invest enough on this integration process makes, of course, that these people are set on a situation where they are not empowered, and since they are not empowered, of course, their life is in a sort of limbo uh, from which it's very difficult to 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 get out of it so i think that as society we have to assume our responsibilities not only the state but all of us for instance as he has uh, since 10 years more or less a project of language practicing and uh, what we have seen is that people are at the beginning uh, ...reticent to involve themselves in this kind of projects. But let's say, and we hear that often uh, in Luxembourg... ...that Luxembourgish language is not enough verbalized... ...and we hear a political uh, discourse also in that sense. But I would uh, advise perhaps those people to engage themselves... ...and why not do some Luxembourgish coaching. When the engagement is there, and we have seen 2015 and 16 in Luxembourg... A lot of mobilization from the civil society, a lot of projects on entrepreneurship, on working on language courses. But I should say it was almost a fashion engagement. Since 2017, the engagement is not there anymore. And that's a little bit sad. I think we should all as a society engage ourselves to this.
1: Now You talked about the recognition of qualifications and... Before today's podcast, you told me, you gave me a really interesting example. I wonder if you could share that with us now.
0: It's true that in health uh, domain, uh, diplomas recognition is very difficult in Luxembourg. We are now having uh, health studies and medicine studies in Luxembourg, but until a few years ago, we didn't have it. And that makes that recognition of doctors that they have studied, for instance, in Iraq or in Syria or in Lebanon, are impossible. And we have the example of a, an iraqian doctor that came to Luxembourg in 2012 who is now working at the administrative service of the university. So someone that could be very helpful in this situation that we are living now and someone that could work on the domain he studied, it's quite frustrating to, to see that. And I think that we should uh, and we have discussed it with the Health Ministry and the Education Ministry, we, we should s- study once again our laws and see if they are really useful for, for the country and if they are not blocking uh, some competences that we already have in this country. Uh, I, I've quoted the example of that Iraqi doctor, but we have other examples of nurses, of other doctors, dentists, who are not working on the domain they have studied since their qualifications are not recognized. And it's not only frustrating for them, but it's mostly a lack of vision, I think, uh, about the way we should build this country. And uh, everybody that comes has something to give and to receive, of course, but uh, we are not giving the opportunity for a few people to develop themselves and help us develop ourselves too.
1: What do you think Luxembourg has learned from working with displaced people from the Middle East and North Africa over the past 10 years?
0: I'm not sure we have l- if we have learned something. Of course, we have to profit from some, from some experience. And I should say, uh, things are also evolving. We are not assisting what's happening, but we are still on a, a, a logic of um, let things happen by itself. Or nowadays, with these complex societies that we live in, with the complexity of the world, the complexity of the situation that is coming, because we are still not suffering all the consequences of this crisis. We can no longer think, as we thought on the 90s, that the integration process happens automatically and you have to give time that uh, it happens. No, I think that we have to be proactive uh, and that's also, I think, the logic that uh, the state and the government are now integrating. I think we have took uh, some time, but I think we have arrived at the moment where NGOs, civil society and the government understand that we have to be proactive. And mostly with people, of course, Luxembourg has a, a, a very ancient experience with the migration. But we have to recall ourselves that even today, 84% of the foreigners that live in Luxembourg are Europeans and people from the European Union. That means the cultural differences are not so big. As that, but now we are confronted, and not only refugees. Eh? If we see the figures of immigration, the third country nationals that come to Luxembourg are mostly Americans, Chinese, and Indian. And those populations, I don't, I don't think we have so much differences like that. But there are differences, and we have to work on it. And with refugees and with those profiles of foreigners that come to Luxembourg. We have to be proactive in a lot of domains. In languages, of course, and there we have to invest much more. If you really want to promote the Luxembourgish language, you have to put the means on it, and not only use it as a pretext, or as a political alibi. So I think what we have to do is think integration as a global process. And it's not only the work, it's not only... The employment, it's not only the languages, it's all of it, and uh, that's an approach that I think we are now starting to have in Luxembourg. And that's a positive thing.
1: Sergio, thank you very much.
0: Thank you too, Jess, and thank you, Delano, too.
1: We contacted the government after recording this interview. The Foreign Affairs Ministry confirmed that in some cases, the procedure of processing an asylum application may take up to four years, though these cases are rare. In 2020, the time frame was 10 months. In terms of empowering people applying for international protection or who have asylum status, the Integration Ministry said that there were a number of initiatives for this purpose and that it makes an annual call for new local initiatives through the National Action Plan on Integration. The Foreign Affairs Ministry added that it is extending autonomy through a pilot project where displaced people living in emergency accommodation can now buy their own food with a prepaid card. This system exists in seven homes. And since 1st of November 2020, displaced people living in this type of accommodation have food and hygiene allowances paid into their accounts as part of another pilot project.
0: Thanks for listening. You can listen to all our podcasts on delano.lu and on all podcast platforms. And subscribe to the Delano Newsletter for all the latest Luxembourg news in English. Sign up on Delano.lu.